0: Have you ever used Gmail smart replies? You know, I used it for the first time two
1: weeks ago. I do use it more when I hit like, okay, that's basically what I meant.
2: Gmail auto reply often has exclamation marks. You got it. Thanks so much. Sounds good. That's great. Sure. Exclamation mark. It's just the straight back and forth that no one really
1: wants to do anyway. If someone is like auto responding, thank you to me, I'm good. I never type out thank you in an email. I just do the TY. It's never going to get that. We are all just literally having the same conversation. Conversations with another, and Gmail knows this, the world knows this. I think that when I respond to people who I don't like, or who I want to limit conversation with, I think, oh, maybe I should just hit that button.
0: Hello, and welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany Hello. and Ashley Carmen, that's me, examine all the choices that technology forces us to make. And today, we are talking about Google Smart Replies. Which are automated suggestions that Google makes in Gmail for you to reply to emails. Our sexiest episode Mm -hmm. ever. (laughs) Best believe we're getting sexy. We're talking email. (laughs) Okay, so you've probably seen this. If you use Gmail and you've gone to reply to an email, you'll see three suggestions at the bottom of the email that Google suggests might be a way to respond. So it would be like... For some reason, Caitlin emails me and is like, hey, are you free on Friday at 5 p.m.? Google might suggest, like, yes, no, see you there. Like, it tries to guess what you would say back. Some of them are, like, pretty
3: surprisingly on point, I would say. In terms of, like, it judging the content of the message, like, if somebody sends me edits on a draft or something, it'll suggest, like, this looks great. I'm
0: like, dang, (laughs) well— I have some quibbles with some of the finer points of the edits. Where's my exclamation point? (laughs) That's my biggest thing is balancing tone. So when I saw these suggested replies for the first time, I was like, huh, like, what is this? And once I got a handle on what it was, I was like, I feel really weird using these because, I don't know, we're writers, But also, it feels super impersonal. Essentially, I was like, is it rude of me to press this button? Like, it might make my life easier, but how would you feel if I sent you an automated reply, essentially?
3: Right. And part of the concern is, like, are people going to know that I used an automatic Mm -hmm. reply instead of actually typing an
0: email to them with my own two hands? Exactly. There's no message that says it was sent in that way. All this to say, Caitlin and I had some feelings about this, and— Like, this should be a super uncontroversial topic. It's email replies. Like, email replies. Unsexy. (laughs) But people have really big opinions on them. There are so many takes on the internet. Earlier this summer, Gizmodo ran a headline that said, Google Smart Compose, which is related to smart replies, it's just when you're typing as opposed to before you start typing, is shitty and definitely evil. Someone at Engadget wrote, please don't send me smart replies. And New York Mag ran a list ranking the responses in smart replies. This is this is just like me doing like a very literally a 1 second Google search. <laughs> I didn't even look in the archives. That this was like first things that came up. Yeah, what are
3: people getting so worked up about? Yes. That's the I think that's the question.
0: Not like would you use them, but like why? Yeah, what is it? about automating our language that gets people so hyped, so angry, generates feelings. We also want to know, is it better to have software write our messages than not reply at all? This is a big question for me. Oh, okay. And then the big question is, what does this mean for language? Like, what does it mean when (laughs) software writes our emails? You always get it there. You always get it to the zoom out. We got to zoom out because... Man, I, I don't want language to die. We can just start speaking in gestures and emoji or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. So, what's your like? What's your off-the-cuff take? How are you feeling going into this?
0: So, full disclosure is that I've written about smart replies for The Verge, so I have like a slightly informed opinion. But I definitely, when I first saw them, was an alarmist. Like, I was like, "Uh, this seems bad. This alarmist. seems bad. I don't like it. I was like, this is rude. I don't know if Google fully gets me." I feel strange clicking a button and not, like, I just feel weird not thinking about what I'm writing and just selecting from a box. Even if I would write, like, great back, maybe I want to write great exclamation point. Maybe I want to write, like, great comma thank you. It just feels so strange to be like, you know what? Great period is good enough. Click. Mm -hmm. Move on.
3: Yeah. Well, I think smart replies are probably more useful to people who have, like, a functional approach to email. For you and I, we're using email in a pretty, like, specific way. We're like, Schmoozing PR people to get questions answered, or like choosing words very carefully in case they get screenshotted and disseminated online. But if you're just using email to have like logistical conversations with your spouse or like go back and forth with like a customer service rep at ASOS, like why not hit a thank? Sounds great. Like it's why true. not? To me, it it seems, like, kind of similar to the debate where people were, like, in iMessage, it has, like, the auto-suggest of, like, replacing words with emoji. And people were like, oh, my God, we're going to forget how to speak. That was a big day. But for the most part, people, like,
0: have gotten very creative with emoji, and they additionally still know how to use words. The emoji combo is a whole another language. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I still am a little hesitant. I'm still a little bit, like, "Mm."
3: You're seeing the black mirror possibilities. Yeah,
0: I'm not loving it. But I'm super hyped about this episode. Because we're going to interview users, of course, who are going to you know, give us their thoughts on this and how they use Smart Replies, if they use Smart Replies, how they feel, all that. Mm-hmm. But then I am beyond hyped <laughs> because we're chatting with a linguist. This is our zone.
4: Oh my this gosh. is our zone.
0: We're chatting with a linguist about what Smart Replies and Smart Compose and automated writing really means for society. She's going to tell us if language is going to die. Which would mean she'd be out of a job. So, wow. Hopefully not. I think a lot of people would be out of jobs. We'd be out of and jobs. And very confused. <laughs> Subliminal messaging, it's the future. <laughs> so, we're just gonna get into it. We're not gonna bore you guys with any more email talk. So I chatted
1: with The Verge's deputy editor Liz Lapato about her smart replies habits. Part of the nature of my job is that I get a lot of email. If I replied to all of my emails, I would never do anything other than reply to emails. And she says she didn't like them immediately. And I remember seeing them at the bottom, being like. Shh. Wow, this sucks. We're automating, like, talking to people now. And then, like, two weeks later, I started using them.
0: (laughs) But smart replies enhance her tech experience.
1: I just want to be super clear about how much typing on a phone fucking sucks since the BlackBerry went under. They used to have, like, cool keyboards and you could actually, like, I have written articles on my phone before, which I can't do now with this touchscreen bullshit. And so, like, I think I just, like, gave up and, like, just hit one of the buttons and was like, that is close enough, fine, and sent it. And then it was like, well, that was easy. (laughs) Part of
0: the reason I feel bad using smart replies is because the responses are super curt. But Liz says that she writes similarly in email, so no one seems to have noticed that software wrote her response.
1: Like, I tend to respond to emails with about one sentence, just because, again, like, the sheer volume of, like, email I'm dealing with. Like, I might genuinely care about how your kids are, but I'm not gonna ask you that in an email because I have, like, things to do. That part of it is not different. The fact that you're getting, like, one sentence from me it does not appear to have tripped anybody's triggers, but, like, again, I was sending one sentence emails before the smart replies, so, like, that might be part of it.
0: Now, so far on this episode, we've talked mostly about using smart replies in a professional capacity. And Liz says that she actually does use email to correspond with old friends, so in a personal way. And smart replies don't necessarily apply there.
1: I have a number of old friends, including one who was like, I went to summer camp with him and we were like teenagers. And we have like in this ongoing email relationship and it's a bit more like having letters, right? Like you like compose something, like you sit down, you spend time with it, you send it. And then like, as you might expect, you don't get a reply for like a week or two or sometimes longer. And then you get another like long composed reply. And like, that's also kind of like, I don't know how many people still do this, but I also write actual physical handwritten letters to people. And so, like, my personal email is much more like that than my work email is.
0: She doesn't know if she'll one day use Smart Replies to answer those more personal
1: emails. You know, here's the thing. Like, I want to say no. But I know myself well enough at this point to think that probably there are going to be times where it would be like I'm like on the phone and instead of in front of a computer or something and it's just easier. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be the person who, like, sends a smart reply in personal correspondence, but, like, I can't rule that out about myself.
0: Weirdly enough, though, she thinks using a smart reply is probably more rude than not replying at all.
1: I don't think it's rude not to reply to an email. So it might be more rude to reply with a smart reply. Here's the thing a lot of the email I get is unsolicited email from strangers, and like some of it is insulting. So I don't feel bad about not replying. I try to reply, particularly if our readers email me. Like I usually try to at least say thank you for like emailing. But a lot of the times, like it just gets away from me. There's just too much email. And so, like, I live in a world in my head, at least, where like there is like a certain amount of like grace that's extended to you to not replying to an email because, like, you forgot or you got lost or, like, this is a thing I have done multiple times where I, like, got distracted by something and I had composed the entire email, but I hadn't sent it. And so, like, the person emails me, like, a couple days later is like, hey, just wanted to check up on this. And I'm like, I totally sent that email. What the hell? And then I go and look at my drafts and I'm like, oh, I did not send the email. (sighs) I wrote the entire email. I just didn't send it. Oops. So like there's like a little bit of like chaos energy around email. I feel anyway that like if somebody isn't replying, I don't necessarily feel that it's rude. But like if somebody is replying, but they're not making an effort, is that rude? I don't know. Like I feel very ambivalent about this entire space. Generally, though,
0: she doesn't worry about smart replies, ruining language or the art of writing, but mostly because AI isn't good enough yet.
1: So, like, in that sense, I'm not, like, particularly frightened by it. Like, the ways in which I'm using this this automated thing are the places where I am actually acting the most like a bot. You know, where it's like, yes, this time works for a coffee meeting. Yes, this time works for whatever. No thanks. You know, like, those moments where, like, I am like literally just going through some like rote social moment that's like the use case and like i know that there are people out there who are going to say oh well ai will expand this all and like i got a lot of feelings about that but like the main one is that like i've been hearing promises about ai for a really long time and like we've scaled back somewhat what ai can do what we think the potential is going to be and i think we're going to scale it back again because like this like glorious future of like ai writing or whatever (laughs) like it's not here yet
0: So I was a little surprised that Liz, who's an amazing writer, wasn't totally appalled by smart replies and this idea of language automation. But at the same time, knowing Liz, she is very practical and she wants to get to the point. And she views emails as a chore. So it's like checking off the list. She's like, you know what? I got to get through these. Boom. Boom. Click. Click. Smart reply. Boom. Yes. I see Liz as like the human
3: embodiment of someone of like...
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Like, task accomplished. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. I was also shocked that she is willing to potentially use them for personal reasons, which to me feels like the biggest burn to her friend. Right. Yes. But (laughs) we need to talk to someone who hates smart replies. Yeah.
3: So I chatted with Sarah Haggy, a writer who— hates smart replies.
2: I don't really use that feature because usually it just doesn't fit with the way I want to respond. Mostly because I'm not gonna just respond to like an editor or someone I'm working with being like, sounds good. I've never shown Gmail that that's kind of what I say. So I was a bit offended. She has dabbled with
3: smart replies, but only in specific circumstances where she doesn't mind coming
2: off as a little bit rude. The only times I've used the button is if I don't respect someone. Like, if I don't respect them or the situation, I'll be like, no worries, or whatever dumb thing it says.
3: More than anything, her beef with smart replies is that it just doesn't get her tone and sometimes suggests really
2: strange phrases. So I'm writing something for television right now with like a friend of mine and we were dealing with our boss, I guess, like the showrunner. And the three of us have been exchanging a lot of emails and he was sending an email like, oh, like, can you guys change this and this? And it kept saying copy that to him only. And I don't understand why. Like it was just, to me, it just felt so over the top eager, like copy that boss. I hated it so much because I would, Never say that to him. Nor would I say that to anyone. I'm not a copy that person. Like, it'd be like going like, oh, gee whiz. it's just not something I would do.
3: She truly can't believe that Google thinks she is the type of person who would say, copy that.
2: I don't know. Like, maybe it's insulting because that's who my email thinks I am. And I spend so much time emailing that it's like, that's who you think I am after all this time you spent together.
3: On top of the copy that incident, Smart Replies adds formal punctuation, which feels a little bit off.
2: The grammar it suggests will be like a little better. It does add like more polite things like sometimes we will add a thank you when I'm not going to say thank you or like that sounds great. So I, I think it's definitely like trying to keep the peace most of the time.
3: To be fair to Google, Sarah says that her Gmail really only knows her professional side.
2: I use my email mostly for work or to like coordinate with people. But if I'm just like emailing a friend something, it will never understand what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I won't even get the boxes with responses if it's like an email where I don't use punctuation and everything's lowercase and I'm like, ha 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 or whatever, you know, it knows how to be polite. It can never be rude or like too firm or anything.
3: Now, even though she despises the person Google thinks she is, she'll use smart compose when she's writing an email.
2: I feel like the sentence completion is just a bit smarter. Like it knows where I'm going with something and it's almost always correct, which is a bit scary. Like I'll be emailing someone about, you know, like a deadline or like, oh, let's hang out soon. And then it'll be like, sure how's, and then it'll be like tomorrow or something. And I'm like, oh, like I was going to say that. So I do actually like that email one. It saves me like maybe 10 seconds per email.
3: The idea that all her online behavior from what she watches to how she types is being collected to inform an algorithm's opinion of her sort of freaks her out. But if the software is going to try to replicate her taste or style, She at least wants it to be good at doing it.
2: I feel like everything I do across the board counts now, like if you go on Netflix and I just want to watch like 10 minutes of Twilight, it will keep that in mind and it will suggest you things based on that like 10 minutes you spent looking at something. I feel like anything I do online, I'm being watched somewhere and this is being collected and then whatever I'm using thinks like, oh, this is who you are it's almost like that's not who I am. So I do feel like that is concerning to me because it's like my ignorance scares me a bit. And then also, if I'm gonna have algorithms, I kind of want them to be perfect for me. And I just, it's always on the back of my mind, like, oh, what is my algorithm gonna think about me now?
0: So it sounds like Sarah is way more precious about her language than Liz. Like she cares a lot more even in short responses, that people know it's coming from her, mm-hmm. unless she blatantly wants to disrespect someone. I thought that was really funny. I've definitely used that. Like,
3: really? Yeah. Like, I mean, not specifically to be rude, but if I'm annoyed with someone and I know that I'm going to write a terse email in response, I'm like I should just hit one of these auto replies so that I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't like write something snippy, <laughs> but it is still is a little snippy. It's almost it's so like short.
0: a yeah. Okay, that makes that's funny because I can imagine you being kind of harsh. Oh, can you? (laughs) (laughs) So Liz sees it as like a tool to make getting through her massive email inbox easier. Mm -hmm. Sarah views it as like sort of, yeah, a tool to use against people she despises. Right.
3: Well, the other thing that Sarah said was that she's like, I don't know, like Google learning all this stuff about me is kind of creepy, but... If they're going to do it, at least they should do a good job, which is, like, unfortunately, the same argument that Facebook uses when it's talking about why it needs to know every single thing about you with ad targeting. Because it's, like, people prefer when the ads are specific oh, yeah. to their interests. So, I don't know. We might be on a slippery slope with that one, Sarah.
0: Yeah. And the AI really is not good enough yet, I right, think. Right, right. So, we've established that, like, mixed feelings exist on this topic.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And everyone we've talked to is a writer. Yes. So it's, like, interesting that writers themselves can have different opinions on this. Yeah. So now what we're going to do, we're going to chat with a linguistics professor who's going to help us understand a little bit of the history, because, yes, there is actually a lot of history of automated language and what we should all think about automating our own writing. And then, of course, the big question, is it destroying
3: language? Oh, my God. I'm I'm so excited for you to <laughs> find some resolution here. <laughs>
0: And we chatted with Naomi Barron.
4: I'm a professor of linguistics emerita at American University in Washington DC.
0: Who is actually currently teaching a course in Italy
4: at the University of Modena and Reggio Emilia, a beautiful place to visit.
0: Naomi fit us into her busy schedule, so thanks Naomi. Naomi told us that Google Smart Replies and Smart Compose aren't the first innovation to try and automate language.
4: There's lots of precedence for our using the words that somebody else has crafted. If you go back to the 16th century in England and in some of the continental countries as well, people were just starting to become literate on a somewhat larger scale. To want to write letters, sometimes letters that were of a business nature, but they had never written a letter before, so they didn't know how to do it. There were a whole sequence of books called Complete Letter Writers that started to be published that gave you template formats for how to write a letter for different occasions. There are lots of other precedents as well. One of my favorites has to do with The Telegraph, And when it first came into being, it was largely utilized by businesses, in large part because messages were expensive to send. You charged by the word. And people, when they wanted to send messages, didn't know quite what to send. And if you didn't know what to send and you wrote out whole sentences to be transmitted, that got expensive. Western Union, the original telegraph company, finally came up with a plan in the early 20th century to try to encourage more ordinary people to send messages, birthday messages, condolence messages. And the way they did it was by saying, we will have a preformed message for you. And it will contain, let's say, 15 words, but we're only going to charge you as if it were 10 words. So that would encourage people indeed to send these messages at a discount price.
0: Okay, so before we do this episode... I had a really hard time thinking of any way we use preformulated speech apart from these crazy Google Smart Replies. But then Naomi pointed out a super
4: obvious example. Greeting cards. When the greeting card business started up in the middle of the 19th century, over the years, a number of people decided we could put preformed messages in there. You think of companies such as Hallmark or American Greetings in the United States. And they've made a fortune on formulating those pre-formed messages. And those have been incredibly popular.
0: Naomi is so smart. She pointed out that we often, as humans in this world, put our brains on autopilot. Like when we're talking to people. Sometimes we say things without thinking at all. If you ask me, how are you doing today? And I'm just like, I'm good. That just comes out of my mouth. I'm not really thinking about that. It's practically as if smart replies are in our brain already, and we're just saying them out loud.
4: In speaking, we say such thing as, it's a pleasure to meet you. You may not be pleased at all, but you're supposed to say that. That's what the social conventions lay out for you. So coming back now to what we're doing online with having some other organization, a company, pre-formulate messages for us, We're used to having prefab messages. This is just a new way of accessing them.
3: Naomi says that Google is just offering a different way to access these pre-formulated responses, which makes sense because email is how we communicate now, not Telegram. (laughs)
4: If you happen to have a personal digital assistant in your house, whether it's made by Amazon or made by Microsoft or made by Google or Apple, you already have AI built in there, listening to what you say and trying to get smarter answers in the sense that those are the kinds of answers you'd like to have to the queries that you make of those devices. So is it new for this to be AI applied to writing? Uh, yeah, sort of. Not totally. I'll tell you why in a second.
0: She brought up Sarah's point about feeling a little creeped out by all this technology spying on how we type and what we do online.
4: If you think about what kinds of text messages or emails you might send on your smartphone, You may notice that the names that you type a lot now show up as some of those choices at the bottom of your screen of what you might want to select instead of having to type the whole name. How in the world did your phone, actually the software on your phone, figure that out? It's through AI software. That kind of programming has been available for quite some time. The only question is how you're marketing it, what particular functions you're putting it to. Does it feel a little creepy to have complex names correctly spelled at the the bottom of my screen? Yeah, it does. Is it convenient? You bet, because I'm not the world's greatest typist on my cell phone.
0: Naomi is not an alarmist, and she's really not worried about automated language corrupting our culture or our
4: words. If you want to just get a quick message out of meet you for lunch with a colleague or got it, you'll have the memo by 10, that's one thing. If, on the other hand, you're working in a context that has a hierarchy to it, which most workplaces do, and you want the people higher up on the food chain in that hierarchy to see you as a person who is thoughtful a person who has respect where that's appropriate for one's colleagues, then taking those extra few seconds, because it doesn't take that much longer, to think out for yourself what you yourself would like to say, then doing a message that's not pre-canned, even in the work environment, can be quite important. So the real question to me is, what is your goal? And to the extent that we still care to say something that comes from our hearts, not from AI's hearts, and that had some thought put into it, then I'm not worried about the state of the language going to hell in a handbasket as a result of smart texting.
3: She says that we'll likely make smart replies work for us and adjust them to fit the way that we naturally
4: speak. One of the things we know about human language is we tend to tailor, at least in face-to-face conversation and in some of our online conversation, we tailor our language to our interlocutor, to the person with whom we're communicating. And I'd like to believe that one of the things that we will be doing with these smart messages coming up is saying either, yeah, that'll do, or that's not really what I wanted to say. I could type. It wouldn't take me that long.
0: Naomi is so not an alarmist. That she says, if you're getting worked up over smart replies, you need to start imagining AI writing books because <laughs> that's what's happening. So, oh my God. You people couldn't handle emails. Now we're at the books.
4: There's a, a textbook that just got written, published by Springer Verlag, that was written based on an AI program trolling tens of thousands of articles and book chapters because Springer has lots of them. <laughs> and it constructed a textbook that was a pretty reasonable textbook. There is fiction being written by AI programs. I mean, this is out there. So one of the questions we have to ask is to what extent are we going to care whether a human being had a hand in writing things or not? For a long time, a long time meaning at least a decade, uh, news stories are being written by AI programs And I defy you, or me, (laughs) to figure out which is written by a human and which is written by uh, an AI program. And that's in part because there's a formula for how to write news stories. And you follow the formula, and a human can follow it, and an AI program can follow it. But what's going to be really interesting to see is how much we're willing to accept something that is not human-created as okay. And we're really feeling our way in this larger realm, not simply in terms of short messages that go in a text.
0: I genuinely want to be as well-adjusted as Naomi. Here I am going zero to 100. Naomi, who studies this all the time, is at like negative three. She's just like, we're all good, girl. I mean, okay, I get
3: the paranoia. Like, I get why people are, are creeped out by it. But like, so AI that's that can write, is still being trained on writing Mm -hmm. that comes from humans. Mm -hmm. And not to be rude, most humans aren't very good writers. This is the take I was waiting for. So I just don't really see a future in which there are like robot novelists like replacing our Pulitzer Prize winners or something like that. Like we're not talking about the singularity here We're just talking about an email feature. Like, we're talking about a computer chopping up our words and punctuation and, like, speech patterns and then just, like, spitting them back out. That's not, like, super edgy tech. What I find most freaky about Gmail is, like, if it got really good at imitating me specifically, that would, for one, be embarrassing because nobody likes to have their tics pointed out to them. Or that
0: you're predictable enough that this AI can mimic you.
3: Yeah, it'd be creepy. I'd be like, is is this robot going to take over my email and start impersonating me? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. It's definitely not. Please don't anybody
0: hold me to that statement because I know it's not possible. But that would be the fear. Well, and right now, the way it's used, it's such a chore. It's such a mundane task that it's fixing. Like, I wish I had someone who could just schedule all my calendar bookings or like respond to my emails and be like, she has received this email And has deemed it not worth responding to. Okay. You know? This This is more a pitch for Vox Media, though, where it's
3: like, pay me to be Ashley's assistant (laughs) instead of my current job.
0: And then, of course, there's this future where if we start just having automated replies fill in for everything, it'll be your automated email replying to my automated email Replying to your automated email, which is a wild future and kind of awesome. Wait, this is like that Twitch stream where they had the
3: two Alexas talk to each other and <laughs> they were like, that. I love you. But then eventually they started saying mean stuff.
0: Whoa. Anyway. So wars are going to get started <laughs> over automated emails, what you're saying. <laughs> it's going to escalate way too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Wow. <Well, laughs> wow. Okay. Hopefully you've walked away from this episode having learned something.
3: Send me an email.
0: Yeah, send us an email about... We're nearing the end of the season now, so send us an email at at buttonnetheverge.com to share thoughts on the season, episode ideas, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. You can follow Caitlin on Twitter at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. You can follow me on Instagram at Ashley Carmen. Thank you to our producers, Andrew Marino and Zach Mack. We also want to thank... Gautham Shrikashen, who does our scoring and mixing. All right. That is it for us. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend, please tell a friend to listen to our show. Tell a Tinder match. Tell a Tinder match. It's a good thing to get the convo started.
3: Or if you're done with the convo and you're like, I'm not pursuing this, but I need to get something out of all of the, yeah, I've already sunk energy into (laughs) it. I'm going to get a new listener for why'd you push that button? Yes.
0: That's giving back. Yeah. (laughs)